Matthew chapter 15, we're going to talk about uh, this, the, the subject of traditions. Matthew 15, we'll read verses 1 through 9. <clears throat> Matthew 15, verses 1 through 9, and the subject is about traditions. And Jesus is speaking here and dealing with a group of Pharisees and scribes. <clears throat> so let's just read this. I'll read it out loud. You can follow along there. Matthew 15, it says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and... He that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. <clears throat> Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did... Esaias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Let me read, just read a few more verses. Go right up to verse 12. Let's add a few more here. Verse 10, He called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? <clears throat> this passage is about a couple of things. It's about honoring your parents. It's about are you clean? On the is it only matter to be clean on the inside? or on the outside only, or in the inside. And it's also about traditions. But what started this whole discussion here, and little discussion that Jesus is having, is the concept of traditions. Today is a traditional thing, doing Father's Day. Um, we have traditions in America that we observe. Um, there's some odd traditions that I've read about <clears throat> around the world. Really weird. How about a monkey buffet festival in Thailand? Anybody ever heard of that? Monkey Buffet Festival in Thailand. Well, some people might be surprised to be looking at some monkeys on top of a buffet table feasting on sumptuous dishes. <clears throat> at this annual festivity, over 300 kilograms of, or kg, uh, kilograms of fruit and vegetables are fed to several monkeys that dwell in Lampburi, Bangkok. Okay, then. There's a, what about the, t there's a tradition of a tomato <coughs> craze, a tomato fight, in Spain, it's called La Tomatina, is the biggest tomato fight that exists. It is a strange, but it is a strange culture among the Valencians in Bunol, where tomatoes are used as weapons. Anybody ever seen that on TV, the tomato fight thing? I've seen that before. 
Here's another one. Some of you have probably heard of this one. I've heard of this one. I knew somebody in our church that actually observed this strange tradition for Germans. <clears throat> the Polter, Polterabend custom in Germany. Just before couples are wed, their families and close friends meet for an informal affair. Then, when all the, then all the guests are requested to break things, such as dinnerwares and flower vases, anything except glasses. As soon as the entire place is in disarray, the couples are to clear up all the broken things, are to clean them up. This tradition shows the couple the significance of being united and of hard work, which is necessary to make their marriage work. <laughs> okay, that's how they're going to start out. <clears throat> All right, here's another tradition. Tooth, tooth fillings in Indonesia. All right, in Bali, Indonesia, a rather peculiar ritual is performed by both genders before they're married. They fill two teeth. Now, it is done to keep any evil forces or characteristics, bad characteristics such as greed, lust, anger, stupidity, confusion, jealousy, and intoxication away from the couple. I'd probably need a lot of fillings in because I got some, some bad characteristics I fight sometimes. That's weird. <clears throat> Here's a couple. I'll read you a couple more here. In Nebraska, how about the United States? Okay, in the United States, Nebraska. Here's a tradition of chip throwing. Chip throwing in the spring. There's a lot of cattle in Nebraska. And those cattle generate a lot of waste. And they're called, when they're dry, they're called chips, not to eat. But the waste doesn't go to waste in Nebraska where these dried up cow patties are used in a tossing contest. Admit it. Has anybody ever done a cow chip throwing contest? Anybody? All right, me too. I camp one year. It was weird. <laughs> Massachusetts. Here's a couple. I'll do a couple more. We'll, we'll, we'll stop here. I do have a bunch. But In Massachusetts, the ugly sweater run in December. As if wearing an ugly sweater wasn't bad enough. Anybody have an ugly sweater? We don't, we're like, what are sweaters? <laughs> All right. You can find them in Goodwill around October, November. <clears throat> so the ugly sweater run. As if wearing an ugly sweater wasn't punishment enough, Foxborough, Massachusetts people put, put them on for a 3.1-mile race. Runners who finish the race are rewarded with several things, and among those things are an ugly hat to complement the ugly sweater. All right, last but not least, and there's more than what I have here, but... Marlington, West Virginia, plays host to a tradition called the Roadkill Cook-Off. Anybody ever heard of that? Roadkill Cook-Off. <clears throat> That's all I want to do, pastors, just hear about it. I don't want to try it. <clears throat> People can sample the culinary splendor of squirrel gravy, deer sausage, and other foods derived from the animals that met an untimely death along the highways of the interstate there in West Virginia. The cook-off has been shown on the Food Network, Travel Channel, and Discovery Channel. So those are some kind of odd, weird traditions and stuff like that. <clears throat> so the Pharisees, let's think about the text here. The Pharisees, so here's Jesus. He spent those two sections in Israel. <clears throat> and the Pharisees are going to contend with Jesus about a tradition. The Pharisees, most of them spent their time in the southern part of Israel, uh, Judea or Jerusalem particularly. Jesus spent a lot of his time in Galilee, northern part of Israel. And the Bible says, these guys, verse 1, that then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem. These guys made a trip all the way up north to the Hayseed Galileans, you know, 
to one of them in particular to give Jesus a hard time about what? Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? These guys, and these guys are supposed to be important. they got better things to do, but they wanted to make the trek all the way up north to find Jesus and say, Hey, you are breaking the tradition of the elders. All, now, the elders were the previous teachers, the previous Pharisees, the previous uh, leaders in their country that established some kind of pattern of doing things, some kind of ritual, some kind of um, custom that they had. It could be in all kinds of areas, whether it was a, a weird holiday or if it was a weird practice in dress or behavior, they established certain traditions. And the Pharisees tenaciously kept tradition. <clears throat> they went all the way up there to argue with him about a man-made tradition. But this served as an opportunity for Jesus to confront them as they come up to talk to him, not arguing with chapter and verse in the Bible, not saying this is the word of God, this is the law of Moses, but saying, hey, you're breaking the tradition. They came all the way up there to fuss with him about human man-made tradition that was revered by revered leaders of the past. So it had a lot of gravitas to it, but it wasn't in the Bible. So Jesus uses it as an, as an opportunity to confront one of their big weaknesses in, among Pharisees and scribes, and that is the tenacious keeping of man-made tradition. And not just that it was they were keeping tradition. It's not wrong to keep tradition. We'll look at that in a moment. But a tradition in particular that actually, con that actually causes you to disobey God's command. And so Jesus has this showdown with them. So let's talk about tradition a little bit. We're going to learn some principles here. What is tradition? <clears throat> what is tradition? The word here that's used in the Bible, it literally comes from a phrase that, said, that means to hand something over. We would say, it was handed down to me. That's where the, the Greek word is constructed of two words. It means to hand over something. Um, when we think of tradition, we think of something passed down. We think of something, well, it's customary to do such and such. It is a, an established way of doing something we think of as tradition. Tradition, again, is not bad in and of itself. Did you know Christ kept tr some traditions? Jesus Christ kept some human traditions. He certainly kept the Word of God in every jot and tittle of the law uh, because that's the words of God. But there was a few times where he actually observed a, a man-made tradition and it, it didn't contradict his obedience to the Father. I'll give you a few instances. The Bible says in, in, um, in Luke 4.16, it says when he came to his hometown of Nazareth, as his custom was, as it was customary, as it was, we could say, you know, usual or traditional, as it, his custom was, he came up to, in the, stood up in the synagogue, opened the scripture and read it. And he read it and sat down. He did a traditional little thing there in this synagogue in Nazareth. You never see that exactly prescribed just like that by Moses. But you see a, a tradition that has some good behind it. And he observed that when he did it, he actually he announced a prophecy that was being fulfilled of himself. Christ observed a tradition in the way he read the scripture and said a few things in a synagogue. Christ observed, we believe, and I'm not alone, uh, I'm not alone in what I'm saying. There's several Bible, a lot of Bible uh, teachers, as they look in some of the chapters in the book of John, 
it appears that Jesus actually observed two holidays that weren't even prescribed by Moses. It looks like he observed in John, if you compare some scriptures in John 5 and John 6, that he observed the Feast of Purim that was started in the book of Esther. I say it was started in the book of Esther, and they established it as a memorial of their deliverance in, um, from their, when they were, what is the Persians, and Mordecai, and started that. Moses didn't say to start it. They started it, and there's nothing wrong with it. Jesus, it looks like he observed that. As you look in some of the scriptures in John, it also appears that he came in John chapter 10, he came um, to, in December, there was what's called the Feast of Dedication. Jesus came to Jerusalem during the Feast of Dedication. Feast of Dedication was not prescribed by Moses, but it's a, it's a very uh, significant holiday. We would call it Hanukkah. And it had a unique historical event that kicked it off. Jesus, so, so what I'm saying is, it's not like, if it's traditional, I can't touch it. No, Jesus observed some traditions. There's nothing wrong with that. The apostles did. Um, Paul had a tradition of doing kind of what Jesus did. In Acts 17, it says that um, as he, his manner was, he, or, as it was, or as it was his custom, Paul went into a synagogue for three Sabbath days and reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. He kind of had this little traditional way he would do things. He said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, and chapter 3, verse 6, he told the Thessalonians that they should keep the traditions that there were some traditions that he and the apostles had given them to keep. And maybe it was just certain things, certain ministry patterns he gave them to jumpstart them as a New Testament church. I don't know, but there were certain traditions, certain customary things that he said for them to do. So it's not wrong in and of itself that people have a tradition. We have them. Um, today, some of you have a, a hollowed tradition, a nap, right? How many have a traditional nap today? All right, how many of you would like to have a traditional nap today, but don't? Yeah, those are some, some of us that have kids. I would like to have a nap. Well, that's a hollowed tradition is the nap. The Father's Day, the Mother's Day, these are just traditions. We don't have to celebrate them. You're not, God's not going to twist your arm for celebrating any holiday, even the old Jewish ones, we're not, we're not bound to those. In Moses, we're not bound to those. Um, but uh, uh, food, people have traditional food. When it's December, there's certain foods you're going to eat. When it's November, there's certain traditional foods you're going to eat. Um, when it's 3 o'clock in the morning, you can't sleep. There might be certain foods you want to eat. Maybe you'll wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning because certain foods you eat. I don't know. But there's certain things that we establish as little traditions. And then there's religious traditions. And again, they could be good, they could be bad. Traditions can be helpful or harmful. They can be valuable or vain. They can promote something good, or they could prevent something good. They can be viewed as um, a way to obey God, or it could be to where it is a distraction from obeying God. They could be viewed like here, as um, optional, Jesus viewed tr human tradition as optional, or like the Pharisees, they could view their human tradition as doctrinal. This must be. But either way, the big, the, kind of the big truth of the day is this. All of our traditions, whether it's religious, personal, social, national, whatever traditions we have, I don't care if they're in this church, outside this church, with yourself, with your family, Whatever they are, any tradition you have, it must be subject to Jesus Christ. 
Because he is the, and the word of God, he is our ultimate authority. You know, there's some people, they would never, during football season, I will, there's not a chance they're coming into church. Because that tradition trumps the voice of God. And there's many other things. It's like once a certain thing comes along of a sport or something, that all of a sudden, that it's a tradition. It's a human thing. It's a man-made thing. There's nothing wrong with it. But that trumps God's voice. And that's where uh, all of our traditions should be subject to Jesus Christ. Let's look at five things. The rest of our time, we'll discern five issues related to this. Um, right from the text here. Number one, influential movements. Now think about this. Influential movements tend to rely on their traditions once they become successful. Look at verse 1 here. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem. If you look at the history of the Pharisees, they started during that Maccabean age. I don't know if you know the, the story of the Maccabees. That's where Hanukkah came from. And where they're basically trying to purify their country, purify their temple, purify their religion. And the Pharisees actually came out of that. They came out of something good where they wanted to purify their religion again. And the Pharisees became kind of a, something of a good movement. But what happens over time with any good movement, whether any religious movement, <clears throat> they say, man, we're successful. God is blessing us. Wow, this is great. And they start looking around at everything they're doing like, wait, this is the formula for success. We tie our shoes this way. We open our door that way. We do our order of service this way. We comb our hair that way. Don't change anything. God's blessing this. And that's how people get. And they freeze it. This is how we started years ago. We used to do it this way, this way, this way. And we're not going to change it because God blessed that. Well, that's how the Pharisees were. They got to where they're keeping traditions of the elders. Now, um, uh, I was talking to Brother Youngblood, uh, William's dad, Brother Kevin. He, was, he, he has the privilege of coaching um, business leaders, that, people that are currently running a business or people that are aspiring to start a business. And he has the privilege of you know, kind of consulting and coaching them when they, when they ask for it. And I was talking to him a few weeks ago. We were talking about, even for our church, having to adjust things for us as a church, constantly figuring out how we're going to do ministry. And he said, he was kind of relating something with business. He said, you know, I've talked to business guys, leaders, and I, he says, they'll come to me and they'll say, how do I get my business to the next level? And he'll examine kind of what they're doing and how they're, what's their product and what's their, uh, you know, the, the staff and how the employees and, and what's the outlook on the demand on their product and, and what's their business practices. And he'll basically say, you know, if you want to be more, you're going to have to do things a little different then. You might have to change this model over here on how you are marketing and you're going to have to um, adjust how you handle uh, your employees over here. If you don't change any of that, you're just going to be what you always are. If you always do what you've always done, you always be what you've always been type of thing. And uh, what he was saying, he goes, I get guys that come to me They'll, they'll say, oh, how do I get my business to the next level? And I'll say, if you do this, this, and this, it'll probably help. And he says, you would think that I touched, you know, that, that was the golden calf of there. You know, so you are not going to touch this. We're not going to change this. We're not going to change this. And it's like, okay, then. And, it, and the idea is this, is that sometimes when, when a business or even a church, they get doing something or a religious movement. Let's stick with the point because that's where it happens. The religious movement 
seem to be successful, so they're like, well, let's just keep all the traditions of the elders versus focusing on God's Word is what we always practice. God's Word is. It might get applied differently over time, but that's what we always practice. And, um, but if you notice, like, okay, we're not Protestants, we're Baptists. We were always protesting the church before Martin Luther did and some of these others. But I'm happy for the things that happened with Martin Luther, the religious reformer, some of you know about him, when he protested the Catholic Church and some others and they had their kind of their own religious movements got started. If you notice over time, they just got cemented and it's dead now. And they're like, well, we got to keep things this way, this way, this way, because that's how things got going good. Yeah, but you're dead now. And every religious movement, even a church, can bet that way. This was the nice little recipe we had for success, and we can't miss any of these ingredients. And uh, what we need to discern is the ingredients that are of God we always keep. The ingredients of man can come and go. So number one, influential movements tend to rely on their traditions. It just is a tendency to, to revert back to it. I always did it this way. I always did it. Okay, well, it's okay. We'll rethink it. Is it unbiblical for you to change or adjust? Um, and so number two, we must not, uh, tradition must not be a basis for criticism. Verse two, tradition must not be the basis for criticizing one another. So they came to Jesus, verse two, and they say to Jesus, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders for they wash not their hands when they eat bread? Jesus did not tell, Jesus did not legitimize their criticism. He basically said, your criticism's nothing. Is it good to wash hands? Yeah, we need to be doing that. They were doing it whether they needed to do it or not. And they did it to the extent that this is the ultimate of me being a clean person. The Jews had a lot of emphasis on outside cleanliness. And I'm not, it's a whole other message here. But Jesus emphasizes inside cleanliness, and we preached this a few months ago. But the whole idea is that, that we're getting at is that Jesus says, um, don't criticize on the basis of tradition. Um, I remember, some of you might remember, did you know that there was a time where people criticized whether we should put, we should use radio to have preaching over the radio. There was a time years ago they said, we can't have preaching over the radio. Why? Why not? Well, because that's just, we haven't done it that way before. And besides, the devil is the prince of the power of the air. And some have said that. Like, huh? You can't criticize something just because it's not traditional or because it's broken tradition. The basis of criticizing something is, this, did God say to do this or not? Right? Now listen, we're in a Baptist church. Baptists have championed, at least for a long time, the idea of don't follow man-made traditions. They pointed at Protestants for doing that. They pointed at Catholics for doing that. But Baptists over the years have gotten to where we're solidified in our traditions and we're becoming the thing that we used to criticize. And we can't. We can't. Breaking tradition is not the basis for criticism. Um, some people would criticize, I saw, you know, people would criticize if you do a different pattern of ministry, if, if, you do a, if you do the times different than another church, or if you do a home fellowship instead of a Wednesday night, or if you, do, if you, show a, if you use this screen to show some of your songs, 
that's a criticism. There's absolutely, positively zero biblical basis for that at all. Now, it might grind against your customary way of doing it. Well, then discern that. But there is, we have to be honest. We have to be honest, Bible-believing people. If somebody does something different than me, good for them, unless it's against the Bible. Because there's, Christianity can... Um, you know, Christianity can be applied. <clears throat> the Bible, the Bible truths, the gospel, the New Testament church has core unchangeable things to it, but it can be applied in different ways with those core unchangeable principles behind it. So anyways, here we see Jesus is not legitimizing their criticism because it's not the ba- a true basis for their, um, it's not a true basis of, to critique them. Number three, here's a, a, the third of five uh, truths here is that there's a difference, let's recognize this, we've kind of already said it, but there's a difference between command and tradition. And when I say command, I mean command as if from God, capital C, and tradition. There is a difference. We have to admit it. If we don't admit it, then we're going to be losing sight of who our real authority is. Most religions will say, oh, no, yeah, we believe, or I should say most Christian religions or even some slightly associated with Christianity, yes, we believe the Bible, this is, this is the truth, but then they'll say, but we also have these writings too, and we have this tradition too, and we have this tradition too, and a lot of them, what they'll do is they'll give the bow to the Bible, oh, yes, we, and we even use that Bible, but, the, but we also have this, and we also have this, and we also have what our elders have said, and we also have this, and what happens is if you get in a discussion with somebody where the voice of that Bible they say they believe is and the voice of the tradition of that church or their extra writings and they conflict, they go like this. Every time, watch it. Every time they'll do that. Even some, uh, um, uh, some of our Catholic friends, some of our Mormon friends, some of our Jehovah's Witness friends, even some Baptists. If they're, sometimes they're so tenacious about tradition, they say they believe the Bible, but if you try to challenge a tradition, they'll, they'll grab the tradition before they'll grab the Bible. We have to be honest and say, wait a second, the Bible's my authority. That's what Jesus teaches me. That's what Jesus teaches me, and he even offended the, the highfalutin uh, men of his day to assert that. All right, so a couple thoughts here. Remember, difference between commands and traditions. Listen to this. <clears throat> I'm not saying all traditions are wrong because a command is like the contents of something. The tradition is like the, the vehicle that to, to deliver that. Did you know we do certain things? So in other words, God tells our church to, God tells us there's a command in the Bible for us to sing, right? Yeah. It's in Colossians 3, 16. There's a passage in Ephesians 5, and then there's the Psalms that say, sing unto the Lord. Okay, sing, sing. Well, by what way are we going to do that? Hmm, no, we'll go do it at church. We'll use a piano. We'll do uh, a song leader. We'll get a songbook. It's bound. Um, that's how we do it. We're singing. We're obeying God. The command is such and such, sing unto the Lord. The traditional way we're doing it is like this and this, and we're assembled, and we might use this, and we might have a little bit of nice sound, uh, a sound booth that helps the, the person sound a little better. Of course, not Miss Sonia. She sounds great, but maybe somebody else. Those are kind of the traditional way we carry out the command. Now, if we were to change the that or have another instrument or something different or whatever, but we still sing unto the Lord, we're obeying God still. The command, the tradition may have changed, but the command stays because traditions are many, commands are few, traditions change often, commands never do. And so here is God's word here. They are, they 
there's a, Jesus shows there's a difference between commands and traditions. So they, they come to Jesus and said, Jesus, why did you break the, why do you and your disciples uh, transgress the, the tradition of the hollowed elders? Why do they break that? And then he says, oh, why do you break the, the command of God by your tradition? So here that, just those two statements shows that Jesus says, God's command trumps man's tradition. Commandments remain, traditions change. Commandments are of God, traditions are of men. And by the way, Jesus never, I never see Jesus criticizing the Pharisees and scribes for keeping God's law. He criticized them for not even for even merely doing a tradition. He criticized them for a tradition that either made them blind to something that was a better truth, like they like to wash hands, but he said you ignore the inside person. They did this one parental tradition we're going to talk about in a minute, but they neglected to honor their parent, which was God's command. Tradition, there's a difference between tradition and command. Number four, some tradition can impede obedience to God. Now let's look at the kind of the meat of this discussion here. Their traditions impeded their obeying God. So look at what Jesus says. Verse 3, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, <clears throat> he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Now here we'll explain it a little bit. Basically what was happened, it was very clear in the Ten Commandments. What was it, number five? <clears throat> the fifth of the Big Ten. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That's clear. There's no obscurity to that. All right, honor parents. That means I give them priority in helping them over somebody else. If I have a handful of people to help and my parents are one of them, I help my parents first. Um, when my parents are around, I acknowledge them, I hug them, or whatever shows that honor to them. Um, if they're older and they're in need, their house is breaking down, I go help fix it up. If they don't have means to do it, if um, there's some time where they're just, they haven't, they haven't had anybody visit. I need to go visit them before I visit other people. Um, if uh, they're in financial needs, I'm going to do my, guess, my best and grab my other siblings to help, help them. We're going to honor mom and dad. That's the picture of honoring your parents. That's pretty simple. And you, you start doing those things when you're younger and you continue into your older age. <clears throat> the, so Jesus says, oh, this is the command of God. But then he says, you Pharisees and scribes, you have this one tradition here. He doesn't use the word in this text. I think it was used in another gospel where it's called korban, a gift. Basically, they had a tradition that said, okay, the scribes and Pharisees, it was about this. It was about the income. It was about the assets. And um, it got to where, I don't know how this got started, but it basically got to where Pharisees or scribes or whoever, if they had a certain number of assets, whether it was 
monetary or some other kind of material assets, <clears throat> they could kind of keep them protected uh, from ever having to be used on mom and dad in case mom and dad get old and all of a sudden they're in the Jerusalem hospital and we got to help pay for these bills. And, whoa, they, uh, or, or mom and dad are, you know, oh, you know, they had that storm come through and there's a hole in the roof of their house, a flat roofed house, and oh, I got to fix that again. I remember that leaking when I was a kid. We got to fix that. That's going to be expensive. Instead of having to help them in the hospital with the money or help with the roof that caved in, if the scribe or the Pharisee says, oh, mom, dad, my assets, it's korban. You know what that means? They're all God's. They're dedicated to God. It's, it's, it could have been a gift that you could have been profited by, but no, it's, it's God's now. And that's just the tradition. The elders said that if we give all of our stuff to God, it's God's, and it can't be going to somebody else. It belongs to God. And, and Jesus says, you have this tradition, and so what you've done is you've made the command of God of no effect. It has no effect on you. How? By this tradition, it has impeded you obeying God. Forget about it. Every elder has said in the past, take some of that and go help mom and dad. And if they all criticize you, tell them to take it up with God in his fifth command. I mean, that's basically what, that's basically what Jesus is saying. Some traditions can impede obedience to God. Now, another quick thought before we go. Remember, in Luke 4.16, Jesus took some kind of apparent tradition that they did in the synagogue of people come up, they stood, they read, they would say an exhortation, they'd sit down. Jesus utilized a tradition in reading in a brief exhortation of Scripture in a synagogue. He utilized a tradition to obey, to communicate, because when he, you read the passage in Luke 4, he he reads this prophecy and he says, this has been fulfilled in your ears today. And he sat down and they all went, really? It's like, he's Messiah? Jesus utilized a tradition to obey. And here Jesus refuses a tradition so that, he could, so that people could obey. So the idea here, again, Jesus is confronting them. He's teaching us that some tradition can impede obedience to God. And then last of all, let's consider this thought. Some traditions can be painful to confront. Look at chapter 15, and um, verses, we'll read verse 10, 11, and 12. So, after he told, tells the, well, let's just read it. It says, He called the multitude unto them, and said unto them, Hear and understand, all the crowd, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the man, this defileth the man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? And he goes on to, to instruct them some more. So what was happening? Let me, again, what was happening is Jesus and the Pharisees, or pardon me, Jesus and his disciples didn't, what you might say, um, chronically wash their hands, I don't know how to say it, repeat, habitually wash their hands all the time before they ate. And so the Pharisee says, ah, they're breaking tradition. And basically Jesus says, um, not having these dirty is really not real defilement. He says, doesn't, his words again to, the, to, to them and to the, to the crowd, he says, not that which goeth into the man, referring to you get on you or you eat something, 
you eat, I mean, these, they could eat lobsters, pig, they could have shrimp. If they did, it'd be like defilement. Couldn't touch a Gentile. Jesus says, you know what, that stuff that goes in doesn't really defile you because it's just going to come out eventually. Jesus said, what comes out of you defiles you, which means I already got a whole lot of yucky potential in me. I have a bunch of yucky vials of disgusting things that could break open and come out of me and make me defiled. True uncleanness is from the inside, not from the outside. So the point is, when Jesus said that to the, to the Pharisees, now watch this, again, we, we do not want to be like Pharisees, where everything is external cleanliness. But the Pharisees had that thing of whatever's on the, if they, their clothes were clean, their hands were clean, they're constantly washed up and everything. And it was good to wash. Moses talked about some of those things. But Jesus says, um, you know, that's not real, being really dirty. What comes out of you is what's dirty. And guess what? And that broke tradition. And they're like, <clears throat> they were offended by that. That broke their traditional thought. And the idea is that sometimes tradition can be painful to confront, especially the erroneous ones. So, the, I, the, again, the whole thing is this. Whether you have a football tradition that contradicts your commitment to God, or you have there's some religious thing, or, you know, there's some people that they want to still baptize their little babies and sprinkle them. You know, that's not, that's not of God. That's a man-made tradition. Whatever it is, do you have any tradition that impedes your obedience to Christ? Because all, we should submit all of our traditions, all of our customary behavior, Ameri whether it's American. Sometimes we think if it's an American tradition, it must be of God. No, it's not, ne not necessarily true. We need to submit all of our traditional ways in our behavior, submit all of our traditional ways to God. Do you have anything that impedes you? Maybe it's a traditional way you handle your money. Is that how God wants you to handle it? Some people, they're with this whole racial stuff going on right now, it drives me crazy and I don't like it. But some people have some traditional views that are wrong. That aren't according to Scripture. Maybe something traditionally you're doing with your time or holidays. Let's look in 1 Peter 1 with a thought here as we close. First Peter 1, it says there, verse 18 and 19. First Peter 1, verse 18 and 19. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, so the Bible says, you know, he's the writer, Peter's addressing the, 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 the readers here saying, you know what redeemed you, what made you who you are, what saved you, um, was not you keeping traditions that you, that you got from fathers, but you having faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's the saving issue. And for those, those of us in here today, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, there's a lot of people that have their faith in the traditions of their fathers. They have their faith in the tradition of, of uh, maybe of a church. Oh, wrong, wrong direction. But you put your faith in the, in, the, in the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you. That's what saves you. His death, burial, and resurrection was done for you. He shed his blood for you. 
And without him shedding that blood for you, it wouldn't be remission of sins. But I will say one thing that we do need to pass on is that gospel message. Adam referred to it in a way before we led in that song. Is that for us as dads, we're father, a lot of fathers today, this is one thing I want to pass on, and it's, not, it's better than a tradition, and that is the gospel. Pass on in, in admonition to know the God of their father and to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I do certainly need to pass that along. So let's thank the Lord for our time today and ask him to, to, to lead our lives in light of this truth and, and be more like Christ in this mentality about how we handle tradition. Thank you, Lord, for your